Some words from Psalm 54. Come with great power, O God, and rescue me. Defend me with your might. Listen to my prayer, O God. Pay attention to my plea. For strangers are attacking me. Violent people are trying to kill me. They care nothing for God. But God is my helper. The Lord keeps me alive. May the evil plans of my enemies be turned against them. Do as you promised and put an end to them. The psalmist was talking from his individual point of view, but as I read those words, I'm reminded of people around the world who are persecuted, the persecuted church in many countries. And that's what we're going to be focusing on today as Emma, who's from Open Doors, as I said, is going to be engaged in this service. So they, we pray that those people who are persecuted may be aware that God is their helper. So I've got an opportunity now to introduce Emma. So hopefully, Emma, you'll be able to see me and hear me. Can you hear me, Emma? Loud and clear, Andy. Yeah, great. Great to be with you guys. Right. That's really good that we can engage with you now, Emma. So I've never met you before. I've not even heard you speaking. I know you have spoken here before at NCBC. Um, but can you tell us a little, little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, for starters, I look forward to the day when I can perhaps come and see you guys in person when we can all be back in the building together. Um, I know uh, I've just been on uh, the old Google Maps and uh, I believe we're 148 miles away from one another. So uh, three hours away. Um, I live in Oxfordshire and uh, as well as working for Open Doors, I'm a mum of three, married to a great guy called Kevin and uh, we have one crazy dog and uh, we live very, very close to Oxford, about 10 miles from Oxford. Um, our claim to fame was that David Cameron was our MP, a little town called Whitney. Uh, but yeah, we're a bit of a sleepy on the edge Cotswold sort, sort of town. But um, yeah, we've got a great sort of community of, of faith that we're a part of here in Whitney. Um, great for our kids, that kind of thing. So um, yeah, we, we really quite enjoy where, we're, where, where we are. And um, yeah, over over the past year, we've obviously done a lot of what you guys have been doing, homeschooling, just just doing life a little bit differently. But in lots of ways, perhaps it's given us a bit of bit of connection, a bit of empathy, perhaps with brothers and sisters around the world for whom worship is very different all the time. You know, lockdown, living under restriction, isolation, worshipping around legislation is part and parcel of of many persecuted Christians lives that's that's what they're used to and so actually as we've all met as scattered believers doing church online perhaps it's been a bit of a unifier like I say just growing connections so yeah one of my big passions I guess and just a big privilege for me is to speak up on behalf of the persecuted church so a lot of what I do is speaking in churches like yours it's a great privilege to do that to connect with people um, and just share some amazing stories of of challenge of courageous faith um, and also just showing that you know God is at work in the midst of darkness and difficulty in our world so that's that's a lot of what I'm up to Andy. That's great, Emma. Thank you so much for that introduction of yourself and uh, your role in Open Doors. Now, I think, uh, Emma, you've got a little video for us that you're going to show, one that might be of interest to our younger viewers. So perhaps I can get you to introduce that and then we can watch it together. Yeah, absolutely. So for, for, for many, many Christians around the world, going to church, either physically to a church building is impossible or doing what we're doing this morning is potentially going to land them in big trouble and so it's great for us to learn about them to hear their stories so perhaps some of you we you know maybe at times you've experienced being laughed at for various things and I want you just to remember while you watch this service while you watch this video that there are Christians around the world who get bullied for loving Jesus who get into big trouble they get picked on simply for being a Christian they share our faith but not our freedom so this video is a bit of an introduction of how Open Doors started many many years ago and what is happening around the world today and I just want to encourage you guys actually when I was about five years old I first began to pray for persecuted Christians Christians that were put in prison for their faith and every night I would pray for for prisoners who were 
in prison for their faith in a place called the Soviet Union. And I just encourage maybe the parents watching with their kids. That's something you guys could do. There's some great resources for kids and families on the Open Doors website. I can maybe share the link with um, the team at, at, at Norwich Central Baptist Church and you guys can connect with it. But just really encourage you that you can be praying from a really early age for Christians who get into big trouble for their faith because it means everything to them. Your prayers can go where you physically can't go. So let's watch this video and get a taste of the Open Door story. This is Brother Andrew. Some people call him God's smuggler because he spent his life smuggling Bibles and God's love into all sorts of places where it's very hard to follow Jesus. This is how all his adventures began. Brother Andrew was born in a country in Europe called the Netherlands. He had promised to follow God, so he went to a Bible college in Glasgow, a city in Scotland. It was difficult for him because he didn't speak very good English, but he learnt a lot about God and trusting in him. One day at Bible college, he saw an advert for a big festival in Warsaw, a city in Poland. In 1955, Poland was a communist country, and communists didn't like Christians. Andrew decided to go to the festival and find out if there were any Christians left in Warsaw. So he packed his bags, got on a train, and went all the way to Poland. When he arrived, he felt very alone, but he knew God was with him. On Sunday, he went to find a church. The Polish Christians were really pleased to see him. They thought that Christians in other countries had forgotten all about them. They told him how hard life was for them. They were always being watched by the government, church leaders had been arrested, and Bible schools closed. Back at the festival, while praying, this Bible verse sprang into Andrew's mind. It said, Strengthen what remains and is about to die. Suddenly, he felt sure that God was telling him to go and help Christians who were being attacked for following Jesus. So next, he went to Czechoslovakia. He went to a church where an old lady was holding her Bible high in the air so that everyone else could read it. He realized that she was the only one with a Bible. Because the government made it so hard for people to buy Bibles, some of them copied out bits of the Bible by hand. Andrew decided that he would take Bibles to Christians in countries where they were not allowed. But how? Back in the Netherlands, he shared his idea. Some friends gave him money to buy lots of Bibles. One family even gave him a blue car to take them in. He drove to Yugoslavia. It was against the law to take more than one Bible into the country, and he had a car full of them. There were guards at the border. As he drove up, he prayed very hard. Lord, he said, you made blind eyes see. Please make seeing eyes blind. First, the guards checked his camping equipment, but they didn't spot the Bibles hidden in his sleeping bag. Then they pulled out his suitcase. The Bibles were right there, but somehow the guards still didn't see them. So they sent Andrew on his way. God had stopped the guards from seeing the Bibles. After that, Andrew went to other countries delivering Bibles. He gave them out to Christians in Bulgaria, Romania and Russia too. Hundreds of Bibles were delivered to Christians. Andrew soon found out that there was too much for him to do on his own. He needed others to join him. That was the beginning of the organisation Open Doors, which ever since has helped Christians who are being badly treated because they follow Jesus. Today, Open Doors does a lot more than just smuggle Bibles. Sometimes Christians have to run away from their homes because people want to kill them. So Open Doors helps them with food, water, clothes and blankets. Then, when it's safe to go back, it helps them to rebuild their homes. In some countries, Christian children have no chance to go to school. So Open Doors helps them learn to read and write. In places where Christian children are bullied or have no other Christians around them, Open Doors brings them together for special days and summer camps. 
and Open Doors still smuggles Bibles into some countries in Asia, Africa and the Middle East. Someday, perhaps you will go on an adventure like Brother Andrew. But there are some things you could start right away. You could pray for Christians who are unfairly treated because they follow Jesus. Christians who are being attacked for following Jesus can feel very alone. You could write a letter or draw a picture and send it to them. And there are lots of fun ways to raise money to give them what they need. Maybe you could even pay to send them more Bibles. Whatever you do, it will make a big difference to their lives. And it could just be the start of an adventure of your own. In the Bible, Jesus says, See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. What would you like to do for others in your new adventure with God? That's really exciting. Thanks, Emma, for sharing that with us. I don't know how many of you older uh, folk in church have read the book God's Smuggler. I certainly remember many, many years ago as a very young Christian reading that and feeling very excited by it. Our reading this morning is going to come from 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 to 18. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 to 18. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in, in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is seen is eternal. We thank God for his word. We're going to hand over to Emma now. And Emma, you're going to be speaking to us. So um, there's some very interesting stuff come up on the chat that I've seen. One of our members and his wife, Peter and Wendy Barnes, I see have uh, travelled to Leningrad, delivering Bibles there back in the late 80s, early 90s and some other things. So really exciting to see the number of people who have read God's Smuggler and those who have already been involved themselves. So we're looking forward to hearing what you've got to say to us, and I'm going to hand over to you now, but I'll just pray for you. So, Father, we thank you for Emma. We thank you for what uh, you have laid on her heart to share with us, and we pray now that we would listen and would accept the challenge and that we would be not only more aware of the situation, for persecuted Christians, but that we would pray for them more and have them really on our hearts and stand with them in their troubles. So be with Emma now, we pray and bless her as she shares with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
Thanks. I'm loving the chat and loving just hearing some of your stories that are just coming through a little bit there on the, on the old YouTube chat. So that's brilliant. So from the days of Brother Andrew, God smuggler, smuggling Bibles and aid behind the Iron Curtain to today reaching the most dangerous places to be a Christian. Open Doors still continues to do what Brother Andrew first felt called to do way back over 65 years ago, and that is to strengthen what remains. We're still on a mission to help those who pay a high price for worshipping Jesus, the highest price, in fact. And uh, we still believe that no Christian should be should be left alone to suffer, that we, we want to remember those and act on their behalf who are persecuted, who are part of our global church family. And you know what? It's only possible um, and, and the years of, of, of this ministry, it's only possible because people like you have smuggled Bibles, have gone, have prayed, have journeyed with us. And churches like um, MCBC are, are partners with us. You know, you pray, you support, you make a difference. So really grateful for the connection uh, that we have with you. And I uh, just want to say that it is is your support, your prayers that make this work possible to stand alongside those most persecuted for following Jesus. We're going to watch a little video now, which shows the kind of the current state of play for brothers and sisters around the world. It's a video that shows the, the top 10 most dangerous places to be a Christian. And maybe I encourage you to, to pray for one of those countries while you watch this video or later on, go on the Open Doors website and find out a bit more about that country on the World Watch List section. Every year we produce a list called the World Watch List, which ranks the, the most costly places, the most dangerous places to be a Christian. And so we're just going to get a glimpse of that this morning to today and also just get again again a reminder of or a snapshot if you like of what is happening around the world to bring hope and resources to to the family of God who are most persecuted for following Jesus so let's watch the video now what if spies watched your every move what if following Jesus meant you faced violence or even death Millions of Christians around the world experience these kinds of challenges every day. And these are the top 10 countries where faith costs the most. Number 10, India. Hindu extremists want to rid India of Christians and they are prepared to use extreme violence to achieve their goal. At number nine, Nigeria where more Christians are murdered for their faith than in any other country in the world. Iran is at number eight. Secret house churches risk being raided by the police. If caught, be prepared for a long prison sentence. Number seven, Yemen, a war-torn country where Christians, if discovered, face the death penalty. Eritrea is at number six. If your faith is discovered, you can be imprisoned without trial in appalling conditions. Often, your loved ones don't even know if you're still alive. Number five, Pakistan. Say the wrong thing in Pakistan and the notorious blasphemy laws could see you accused of insulting Islam and sentenced to death. At number four is Libya, a lawless land with no freedom of speech or belief. Somalia is number three on the list. Somali Christians can't reveal their faith to anyone or they could be killed, even by their own families. Number two is Afghanistan. If they find out you're a Christian, you have a stark choice. Flee the country or be killed. And at number one, North Korea, the most dangerous place in the world to be a Christian. Informants are everywhere. Discovery means death, either by execution or by being worked to death in a labour camp. At least 340 million Christians around the world experience high levels of persecution and discrimination. What if you could help them? For 65 years, Open Doors has stood alongside the persecuted church, strengthening Christians who dare to follow Jesus, no matter the cost. Your prayers and gifts enable our underground networks to reach millions of Christians with emergency food and aid, spiritual care, smuggled Bibles and Christian books, training and legal advice. 
But more than that, your support means that persecuted Christians know that they are not forgotten, not alone. After all, these are not strangers and they are not statistics. They are our brothers and sisters and they need our help. I love that line there that uh, they're not strangers, they're not statistics, they're, they're brothers and sisters, they're family. So thank you to you for being a church that is taking on board your family around the world and remembering them and standing with them and partnering with Open Doors. Um, really grateful for that. For millions of Christians today, worship will come at a high price. Mishtaba was arrested by secret police. His crime? worshipping Jesus and leading a secret house church. For three years, he was imprisoned in one of Iran's most notorious prisons. While locked up, he spent time in solitary confinement. He was often blindfolded, chained and tortured. But there in the darkness of prison, God was present and at work. There in the midst of the danger and difficulty, God was there. Right now, we estimate at Open Doors, there are at least 340 million Christians facing persecution for their faith. Put another way, that is one in eight Christians globally who share our faith, but not our freedom. That means those of us watching today who love the Lord Jesus with the other seven, we're part of that statistic. We're very much involved. We're very much connected as part of the body of Christ, as part of the global church family. We're part of this. Today, um, I'll be sharing some stories with you and also unpacking this great bit of scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I'd love to suggest to you today that Christians who've gone before us, like the Apostle Paul, whose words we've read, famous words really, that we've read this morning, today, and contemporary persecuted Christians, those like Mishtaba, have so much to help us in, in navigating being a Christian in our cultural moment They really can act as mentors, as guides to help us live in challenging times and to be faithful followers of Jesus, no matter what. You know, their testimonies help us to not lose heart, to not give up, to persevere, to stay the course, to keep going, no matter what, whatever cost, whatever challenge we will encounter or face. It's why we need to connect with a persecuted church. And uh, I've, I've been so blessed by many years now of connecting with the persecuted church. Like started as a child, as I just said before, uh, praying for the persecuted church. And then as I've grown older, just knowing um, just how their stories can really profoundly shape my, my walk with Jesus, change my perspective at times and just show me what, what real deal uh, faith and following Uh, discipleship looks like really. At the end of my talk I'm going to give you an opportunity as an individual to stay connected, as families to stay connected with the persecuted church because I can honestly tell you their stories encourage courage in us and our connection means, um, means that they're not alone, that actually they're remembered, they're not forgotten and that is a vital part of what it means to be part of the global body of Christ. They need us and we very much need them. There must have been times when Paul felt like he couldn't go on. There must have been times when Mushtaba felt like he was just completely flawed. And what was he going to do whilst he was in prison, especially during those times of solitary confinement? And maybe you feel the same, like you are so done with COVID and lockdown. And tomorrow you're probably going to be celebrating better hair days, at least. Um, Or there are other circumstances where you, you are just in the heat of the fire. You're in the storm. The storm is raging. You're at the end of your rope. And you're asking God, where are you? Where are you, God? How long, God? Why me, God? And I can honestly tell you that that, that's the kind of question, questioning Mishtaba had whilst he was there in prison for his faith. How is it possible, though, that Christians like Mishtaba keep going, persevere through suffering, blow after blow? And how is it possible for Paul to endure such extreme hardship and suffering, the worst that life could throw at him and make any sense of it? And it might be that's something you've thought about. How do you keep going? How do you keep hoping in the face of challenging times? 
So light is at the end of the tunnel with COVID, but throughout our lives, there are going to be dark days. There are going to be days of disappointment, days of loss. And I'd love to share with you three reasons for hope in the face of hardship and suffering that I think we can learn from Paul in this passage and also from the stories of Christians around the world today who are most persecuted. Suffering is a theme of 2 Corinthians. Let's be honest, it's it's part and parcel of so many of Paul's letters. He wrote 13 of them, as far as we know. And it's a repeated theme throughout the New Testament, this theme of suffering, suffering for faith, suffering for Jesus. It's sobering to think, really, that the New Testament was written by persecuted Christians writing to fellow persecuted Christians. That is the backstory. If you've got a Bible with you, please do keep it open at this passage. We're going to track through through it together. It's okay. Here's the first reason for hope this morning, today. The first reason for hope is this. We get knocked down, but not knocked out. We get knocked down, but not knocked out. So if you look at the passage, particularly those verses that we've the first couple of verses that Andy read to us, verses eight and nine. For me, it kind of conjures up this picture of a boxing ring, like punch after punch is being thrown at Paul. He's taking an absolute beating. You know, he's on the ropes, then he's on the canvas. Crucially, though, he's knocked down, but he isn't knocked out. He's knocked down time and time again, flawed time and time again, but he isn't knocked out. And let's be honest, life on earth, this side of eternity, is hard. Let's not sugarcoat it. Thankfully, Jesus didn't. In John 16, 33, Jesus said these words, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Great bit of scripture to learn there. And Paul didn't sugarcoat it either. Paul spent a lifetime, decades of suffering daily for Christ. It must have taken its toll emotionally, mentally, physically. At times, it must have been absolutely overwhelming. Do you know what? As you read these words, you can see that Paul doesn't glaze over, airbrush or downplay his pain and suffering, nor to those he was writing to, and importantly, not to you either. The language he uses makes that really plain. Look at the words um, with me. They're feeling words, aren't they? It shows like the, the experience is cut deep. You get a sense of the depth of anguish. We're hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. These are words and emotions that probably to varying degrees we can all resonate with right now. The message from Paul is loud and clear. And the testimony of contemporary Christians today who suffer for Jesus in extreme ways is this. It's hold on. You may be flawed, Hold on. The but nots are repeated four times. Importance, important but nots there, but not crushed, but not despairing, but not abandoned, but not destroyed. Hold on to the but nots with everything you have. Paul did. The light of Jesus, Paul says in verse six, um, earlier in the passage, lives in us, dwells, makes his home in our hearts, our very being, if we're if we're Christians, if we love the Lord Jesus, this body, this jar of clay, as verse seven says, in our fragility, our weakness, our brokenness, our ordinariness, Jesus is present. And in our suffering, Jesus is present. In the hardest of times, Jesus is there suffering with you. In this life, we're going to be flawed time and time again. But it's possible to be knocked down, but not knocked out. We're going to be pushed to our limits, but somehow because of the truth, the mystery that Jesus is God in us, with us and around us, there is supernatural ability and capacity to keep going, to endure. As Christians, we never suffer alone. When you're in the fire, when you're in that storm, Jesus is right there. In many of the countries on the Open Doors World Watch Top List 50, Christians have to worship in secret. They risk their freedom, their lives to do that. They meet in houses or apartments in secret. They gather on remote mountainsides, in jungles and forests. Pool parties are often baptisms. Picnics are actually church services where communion is being taken. And you know what? Wherever they meet, Jesus is there. Wherever they meet. Jesus is there. 
this was Hey Woo's experience. Hey Woo was a little lady with a giant heart for Jesus. She actually came over to the UK back in 2018. And I had the privilege of traveling around the country with her and hearing her story, just incredible. And she did a little bit of church planting whilst in a North Korean prison camp. North Korea is the most dangerous place on earth on the Open Doors World Watch list, ranked number one. And there in a North Korean prison camp where today we estimate something like 70,000 Christians are locked up simply because they dare to follow Jesus. These prison camps are described as living mass graves. There in a North Korean prison camp, Heiwoo dared to plant a secret church. And she said these words, in prison, I saw the worst of humanity, but I saw the best of Jesus. In prison, I saw the worst of humanity, but I saw the best of Jesus. Somehow in the in 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 the midst of the storm, in the midst of the fire, there she was just completely flawed at times. Jesus was right there. She experienced incredible proximity, presence and peace of Jesus, the peace that passes all understanding. It's an incredible truth, but an incredible mystery at the same time, too, that in the place of pain and suffering, it is possible to encounter Jesus more deeply than you've ever done before. In life, we're going to get knocked down, but it's possible not to be knocked out. So let's hold on to that. We get knocked down, but not knocked out because the presence and peace of Jesus is always with us. The second reason for hope today is this from this passage is that resurrection power is on display. Resurrection power is on display in the here and now. The resurrection power of Jesus is at work in us. We celebrated Resurrection Sunday, didn't we, last week? And what a glorious day. But it isn't just a, a day that's confined to history. It's very much part of our present and our future as followers of Jesus. Why was Paul able to be so resilient? Well, it was Jesus, wasn't it? I mean, that's the classic Sunday school answer to any question, isn't it? But for Paul, it really is and was all about Jesus. For Paul, the resurrection of Jesus was like a megaphone cranked up right high on highest volume, broadcasting to the world that God is bigger than death, bigger than suffering. And incredibly gets lived out, shared in our lives and in our response to hard times, to suffering. The empty grave dwarfs all the pain and suffering and hardship we'll ever face. Hold on to that. With the promise that one day every wrong, every, every grief, every loss will be made right. Jesus promises to make all things new. That is resurrection power. And there's no power on this earth, this universe like it. Unstoppable. Let's look at what the text highlights for a moment. If you look with me at verses 10 and 11. And it's clear there, isn't it? As you read those words, Paul had the tightest of attachments with Jesus in the here and now. He had this sense of being one with him, sharing in Christ's suffering. But crucially, too, there's that sense that Jesus was sharing in his sufferings. That's that, that was the why he could make sense of it, why he knew that he was going to be knocked down. He was going to be flawed, but he wasn't going to be knocked out because Jesus shared in his suffering with him. And Paul, it was a privilege to share in Christ's suffering. If 2020 and 2021 has taught us anything, it's hold everything lightly but Jesus. Hold everything lightly but Jesus. Paul believed and lived in light of the unstoppable power of Jesus, even if outwardly it didn't make sense or look like it. For Paul, he saw his suffering as a way for others to see Jesus, to encounter Jesus. It's completely missional for, for Paul. In fact, his response to the pains and the chains and how he how he continued to be faithful in following Christ actually led to gains for the gospel. And this is often how God works. We see this, don't we, through the story of the early church in, in the New Testament. But it's, it's a story of, of Christians around the world today that often persecution and suffering is the motor for the gospel. And how we respond and how we live in those times are crucial, really crucial. Every year at Open Doors, like I said, we produce this list called the Open Doors World Watch List, ranking the most costly places to be a Christian. There's no list like it really absolutely isn't. It's robust in terms of its research. It's great, gained increased credibility with parliamentarians, government, 
um, and also very importantly within UK church more and more churches are now aware of the issue of persecution today and and praying standing in the gap giving acting and praying like you you guys do which is which is brilliant Quite simply, our research shows that persecution has reached unprecedented levels. And for the first time since the list began, all top 50 countries score at least very high levels of persecution. Uh, We could have a list that goes to about 75 countries, but just for for the sake of trying to keep it a bit concise, we have a, a top 50 list. But it shows that the scale and scope of persecution and injustice is huge. It's massive. And it shows the, the reality that the grim side, really, of, of, of what our world is like. But friends, I want to remind you that in the darkness and difficulty, resurrection power is always at work. And when we pray and when we stand and when we support the church, the local church around the world facing the most ho- amount of hostility and opposition, we're helping to see that resurrection power be on display and be at work. Because when I look at the World Watch list and I look at the map or the list of countries, it shows me that there are Christians willing to live and die for Jesus. It shows me that against all the odds, courage is born time and time again, that light is breaking through the darkness, that grace reigns over suffering. Resurrection power is on display and it's unstoppable, unstoppable. So thank you for praying and continue to pray for the church around the world as we see, you know, the Great Commission being fulfilled in some of the most darkest and dangerous, difficult places on the earth. It makes an absolute difference. Earlier, I mentioned Mushtaba from Iran, and he said this. My journey in persecution was a journey with Jesus. My journey in persecution was a journey with Jesus. And actually, he found that he he grew closer to Jesus than ever before. It deepened his relationship. In the darkness of his prison cell, God was present and at work. Admittedly, though, Mushtaba didn't see it that way at first. One day, he really felt God speaking to him. And uh, he says this. He says, God said, Mushtaba, stop being selfish. You are in prison now. It's not about you. It's about me. Look around yourself. And as Mushtaba looked around this prison, this this horrible place that he was in, he saw people who had done terrible crimes, terrible things. They were broken people. They were in need of Jesus. And he says this, I saw the doors, the huge gates of this prison, the big locks on the doors and how secure it is. No one can just walk into the prison and start to evangelize. And that's when I heard God speak again to me. The boy said, look, I took you through these doors and these gates here to evangelize, to talk to these people about Jesus. Then gradually Mushtaba began to see this incredible opportunity, this open door, if you like, that God had placed before him for resurrection power to be at work. And he began then talking about his faith in Jesus with other prisoners. And over time, some of them accepted Jesus. The next challenge was how to bring a Bible into prison. He didn't have a physical Bible with him. And God helped him find a really unusual solution. I love the way God works sometimes. Mr. Bud actually struck up a friendship with an imam, one of the Muslim leaders that came to the prison every day. And Mushtaba asked him one day, would you bring a Bible for me? Would you smuggle a Bible into prison? The imam virtually laughed. He he said, well, it's easier to smuggle in drugs to the prison than a Bible. But I'll see what I can do. It was dangerous, too dangerous to bring a whole Bible into the prison. So in the end, the imam brought in portions of an English Bible. And gradually over time, they built up to have a full Bible. And Mushtaba, with a fellow prisoner, began to write out bits of scripture on on notepaper and smuggle these around to other prisoners. And over the course of time, again, this led to other prisoners coming to faith as they encountered the risen Jesus, as they encountered resurrection power. Mushtaba says this, I never prayed for God to release me from prison. Doesn't matter what situation I'm in. I can work in God's kingdom wherever God places me. It doesn't matter if it's in prison or out of prison, because persecution would take the gospel to the places where nothing else can. It's a reminder, isn't it, that resurrection power is on display. God is very much at work 
in in the darkest and dangerous places. And I just also want to encourage you guys today that, that that the resurrection power of Jesus is at work in you. Your fragile jar of clay, you're a living testimony of the truth of the resurrection power of Jesus. And we pray that that the resurrection power of Jesus will be evident in your community, in your town, in your city, in Norwich. We pray for that, for God's kingdom to come. Let's look at verse 16 for a moment. Here, Paul says that the resurrection power of Jesus is at work daily, shaping us, maturing us. Notice the present tense being used there. We are being renewed day by day. This is where you place your hope as a believer, as a Christian. The inner you is more important than the outer you. Spiritual growth and character in God's you is way more important than our short term comfort and happiness. It doesn't quite fit, does it, with our 21st century Western progressive sort of thinking culture. And we live in this tension as Christians, don't we? But the way of Jesus tells us hardship, suffering pushes us to persevere and perseverance and endurance pushes for depth. We see that in Mushtaba's story, Heywu's story pushes for depth. It's why Paul wrote those famous words in in Romans 5 verse 4, rejoice in suffering. Suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope. Resurrection power is on display. Let's believe that. 2,000 years on, resurrection power is still on display, changing lives here in Norwich, Oxfordshire where I am and around the world. Resurrection power is fully at work. The third reason for hope, and I've saved the best to last, it's this, that the future outweighs the present. The future outweighs the present. Imagine I had some scales with me, you know, the the type that Lady Justice holds. And on one side, we place all that we, we we're going through presently in this life, hardships, trials, suffering. And this side is is the future if you're a Christian, if you love the Lord Jesus. And this is essentially what Paul does. Um, Later on in in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul lists, he names all the suffering, all the hardship that he goes through. Uh, Worth a read. Uh, He he sort of lists, you know, he's been in prison frequently, flogged, beaten with lashes and rods, within inches of his life, really. Stoned, shipwrecked, like more than once. In constant danger, on the run, hounded out of cities, hated and despised, gone without sleep and food, left cold and naked. Paul had the scars, he had the wounds, the welts on his body. What would you add to the scales today? Maybe just take a moment. What 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 takes you out or what is taking you out? What is flooring you? What's knocking you down right now? Just list it, name it before the Lord. I know maybe a lot of us would put COVID-19, just the feeling of weariness, exhaustion, mentally, emotionally, Perhaps some of us, you know, it's just some some sadness within our families, some just grief that 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 is there. Broken relationships, depression, whatever it is, name it. We we have it there. And I just want to encourage you today that as a Christian, the scales do tip in favour to the future because the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Life on earth can be horrible at times. And some days it can feel like you're dying and you're not going to be able to carry on and where and hope just seems far off. And that's maybe how Paul felt at times. But what does Paul do? He holds on to the future, that the future outweighs the present and lives in light of that in the present as well. So in verse 16, 17, Paul keeps eternal glory the future in mind constantly. He's looking forward. He writes there, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away. And bear in mind, by the time Paul was writing these words, he was probably aging, suffering had taken its toll on his body. Yet inwardly, he writes, we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. It's a little bit, you read that and you think, Paul, are you, are you a bit mad? Are you a bit crazy? Basically saying all that you've gone through, all this suffering for Christ physically, mentally and emotionally, you're basically saying it's, it's a mere trifle. It's like fluff. It's light. It's nothing 
in comparison to an eternity with Jesus. Sop lives in a village tucked between jagged mountains and paddy fields in the northernmost part of Laos, very close to the Chinese border. Growing up, Sop knew nothing about Jesus. He only knew about Buddhism. Until one day, a few years ago, he stumbled across an old man listening to a Thai Christian radio program. And it turned out to be a, yeah, it turned out to be um, a program where he was able to hear about Jesus, learn about Jesus. And for weeks, he would go and sit with the man and, and listen to this radio. It had piqued his curiosity. And finally, he, he gave his life to Jesus. When his village discovered what he'd done, they declared him a traitor and they beat him badly. But this was just the beginning of persecution for Sop. When the village chief discovered Sop's new faith, he issued an ultimatum. If you don't stop worshipping your God, you'll go to jail or leave the village. Sop refused. His pigs were poisoned. His rice farm was set on fire. His children were discriminated and isolated in school. And finally, finally, Sop and his family were kicked out of the village. All they'd known, they had to leave. With all Sop went through, he refused to stop sharing the gospel and even began hosting worship gatherings in his home. He received training from open doors to, to stand strong in the face of persecution. This is something we do in many, many parts of the world. Just that encouragement to keep going. He also, also received training from open doors teams to, to teach others to read and write. And incredibly, this has enabled Sop and his wife Dara to actually reach out to his old community, even some of the very people who were the cause of persecution against him. Sop says these words, and I think they echo Paul's really well. I'm always reminded that if people try to kill me for my faith, the Bible says not to be afraid. They can kill my body, but not my soul. If they want to kill me, I've no problem with it, for I know where I'm going after. Eternity is in scope for Paul and was in, is in scope for SOP. You know, life for the Christian is not so much about the here and now. Imagine the best day you've ever had, probably wasn't in 2020, probably, you know, a couple of years ago or whatever. And then, and multiply that feeling you had about the best day ever a million times over. And it won't even come close to what eternity with Jesus is going to be like. It's like the best day ever on repeat. It's the happily ever after that you, were, you and I were made for. It's the happily ever after that we long for. You know, there's a verse in scriptures, isn't it, that says that God has placed eternity in our hearts. There's this longing for more. There's this longing to, to be with, with, with Jesus forever. So Paul writes, verse 18, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Verse 18 there, I think, has a sense of a measured gaze, focus, this this like looking. It's almost like he's looking through a telescope, looking forward, longing for the future, longing for eternity. I must admit, sometimes very often I'm so caught up in the present that I forget. Get forget that I'm made for more, that I had this amazing eternal future and actually I should be looking forward, longing for it. And living in light of that in the present and here and now as well. So, friends, the scales tip towards the future if you love Jesus. The future outweighs the present. So fix your gaze on the future. Fix your gaze on Jesus. Look up and hold on. We're hard pressed on every side. But not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair persecuted but not abandoned struck down but not destroyed you know throughout 2021 i know i need to hold on to this scripture and the truths that we can learn from this passage and it's likely you do too and i know that the 340 million christians around the world living with higher extreme levels of persecution and suffering desperately do too in a moment, I'm, I'd love to pray and then I'll hand back to Andy. Just want to encourage you. Um, I'd love you to, to stay connected with, with stories of courageous faith and family around the world. Um, we've got a, a, an image that is coming on screen now. If you've got a phone, 
um, that you can put on camera mode. You can scan the QR code in here. It will take you to a page on the Open Doors website where you can where you can stay connected, subscribe for emails, post a prayer if you want to right now for a persecuted Christian. Just let them know that that, that you, you're remembering them, that they're not forgotten, that they don't suffer alone. But we'd love you to stay connected with your persecuted family through Open Doors. Uh, on this page, it's just a, a subscription for a uh, form for a, um, a monthly email that you can sign up for. Just a great way to stay connected. Lower down on the page, you can actually order a copy of the top 50 world watch list booklet to fuel your prayers this year I can highly recommend it. it's 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 really informative and really inspiring and it's just a great way to just you know dip into it and and keep praying and learning about the places where where christians are most persecuted and and use those it, those bits of information and the stories that are there to fuel your prayers for family around the world so i'd love you to do that if that's possible so shall we just pray together Maybe some of us today um, need a reminder that Jesus is always with us, that as Hebrews 13, 5 says, that um, he will never leave us or forsake us. And I, I pray, Lord, that we would we would know the truth of, of, of those words, that you are with us, Jesus, in our hardship, in our suffering, in the challenge, challenging times, um, just as we perhaps just um, those moments of just being flawed, that you're with us, you're right there. I just pray for encouragement and hope, renewed hope for those who really are in need of that today. I thank you for the reminder that your resurrection power is unstoppable and that you're building your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it as Matthew 16 reminds us. And you're building your church in Norwich, you're building your church, your community of faith there at Norwich Central Baptist Church just want to thank you for this community and just pray for them um, as they as they come out of lockdown and, and navigate just this season I just pray for your blessing and pray for lives to be changed and transformed in Norwich and beyond and we thank you that in the darkest of places around this world God light is breaking through the darkness because your power is unstoppable and we thank you for the the partnership, the connection that we can play in that. And Lord, I just pray that you'd remind us that you are in our present, but you are very much part of our future, that we have this eternal future, this eternal hope, eternity set in our hearts. We're made for more. We're made to know you in the here and now and have life in all its fullness in the here and now. But in, in, in the life to come, we have this eternal hope of being with you. And I just want to thank you for that. I just want to thank you for the truth of scripture and for the courage of brothers and sisters around the world who show us what it's like to follow Jesus in the hardest of times. Amen. Emma, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Thank you for the challenge. Thank you for the encouragement that whatever we're going through, God is with us. So we've been so blessed and We've been enabled to pray more intelligently for our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. So thank you so much for that. Thank you too for being willing to be a guinea pig with our new uh, Teams format. So uh, it's been really good to have you doing that. Uh, I hope it's gone smoothly for everybody. Um, I think it has. So thank you so much. And we pray for God's blessing upon you and open doors as you go into this next year. Thank you.